And then third is there's trusting faith. When you believe God is able to work on your behalf. And that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. They said, listen, our God is able. They did not say our God will. They said our God is able to take care of us. But even if he doesn't, what do they say? Even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow. We're going to serve the one that we serve, the one true God and no one else. Um, what we see here is their response is their faith and confidence is not in the result but in their God. In other words, faith should be in God's ability, not in the desired result. Go ahead and put that up, Andy. Faith should be in God's ability, not in the desired result. I know we are supposed to pray prayers of faith in Philippians 4. I know we're supposed to pray prayers of faith and not doubt in James chapter 1. But we're also to believe in the one who is able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine not in the results. Too many people go around confessing the results they want and they think that's faith. It's not faith in the results, it's faith in the one who is able to do the things. You know, uh, I see this overseas. I see the prosperity gospel overseas. I see a lot of uh, name it and claim it overseas. We are praying right now that God will do this and, and we're claiming it, we're claiming it, we're claiming it. And they are putting their trust in the results instead of what? In the Lord. And that's bad theology. I know we would like to put our faith and trust in the results. But when the results don't work out the way that we planned, what do we do then? So we need to have faith in God's ability, not in the desired result. And we see that from these guys. They're like, you know what? If we're saved from this, this fiery furnace, great. If not, okay. Either way, we're still gonna trust in the Lord. That's a confidence that I'm still learning in my life. We see something else also. God's will, God does not work according to our wish, but according to his will. God has a will, it is perfect, his timing is perfect, his will is always best for you and I, but it not, might not be as our will. And these three did something that I know all of us need to do. Sometimes we need to just defer to the will of God. I got my plans, this is how it's gonna work out. Have you ever laid in bed and told the Lord your plans? This is what I'm doing tomorrow, Lord. This is what I'm doing. This is my will, okay? But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they deferred to the will of God. Jesus Christ did that. When he prayed and he talked to the Father and he said, listen, if there's any way I could possibly get out of that, I'm all for it. But I want your will to be done. Um, deferring to the will of God is not a prayer that's weak. It's a prayer that's meek. It's meek. It's asking him for his best and to align my will with his. Also, 
their commitment to God was not dependent on the outcome. Even if things did not go their way, it would not change their confidence and commitment to the Lord. So time out. How are we with that? I am committed to the Lord as long as dot, dot, dot. It works in my favor. As long as it all works out. As long as I can make the quota. As long as, and we fill in the blank. But we see with these guys, their commitment to God was not dependent on the outcome. I see so many people who lose their hope in God because God did not do what they had hoped. And so if God does not show up the way you want him to, guess what? He's still God. He's still God. And there's times where I'm saying, man, I'm so disappointed. I wanted that so bad or I wanted to go there. And at the end of the day, God is still God. Because how much do you really see about your life? How much do you really see about your future when God sees it all? And I have to be willing to lean in and trust in that and trust that he understands the outcome. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are standing there and the fiery furnace is getting hotter and hotter and hotter and they are saying things that are so bold and they are confident, not in themselves, but in their God. If we could just have a sliver of that, just a sliver of that, how that would change our faith and it would change our marriage, it would change our family, it would change everything. If we started viewing things like Shadrach and Meshach begin to think through them. Well, many of you know uh, how the story ends, but God shows up in a very powerful way. Look at verses 19 to 23. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated, and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown in the burning fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Look at verse 21. He so desperately wanted to get rid of anyone that was holding that there's one true God. He wanted to get rid of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But what else did he want to get rid of that he would not have to be reminded of them ever again? What's it say? I want their tunics, their cloaks, their garments, anything that resembled anything Jewish, anything that would resemble the one true God, let's get rid of it. Do we see that in our culture today? Anything that would represent the one true God, we're going to put a rainbow flag over it. I never saw that before. And I thought, man, is that happening in our culture today? Um, ever been to a, uh, a bonfire 
where uh, you can only get so close to that bonfire. I'm not talking about these little ones that you make, but you know, when we were high schoolers, we would throw tons of wood, bunk beds. I mean, I don't even want to go there. I mean, it's just, oh, and we would have the biggest fires in the world. And, and then someone would say, let's, let's, let's break out the hot dogs. And we're like, I can't even get close. Have you ever been to a bonfire where you're trying to make a hot dog or a marshmallow? And you're like, I can't, ah, it's, ah. Seven times hotter. Now listen, they didn't have to heat that up seven times more. That would have done the trick with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But for some reason, he is hot. King Nebuchadnezzar is mad because everything that he has tried to do has not worked because their confidence is in the Lord. Look at verses 24 and 25. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, did, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. He answered and said, but I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire. Okay, they entered being bound. They entered falling in. They're now unbound, and they are now walking around walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. I completely understand why King Nebuchadnezzar would say that. Why? He's a pagan. He thinks it's a god. He thinks it is a pagan god. We would like to say, oh, look, the son of God. But it is. And in the Old Testament, there is a phrase called a Christophany. And a Christophany is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ before his virgin birth. Why? Because Jesus is what? Tell me. He is God. He is eternal. He is from everlasting to everlasting. The Greek word, if you want to throw it out, the Hebrew word means beyond the vanishing point. That God is working beyond our vanishing point. And so we see here, there's an appearance here, and it is not a pagan God. It is the appearance of Jesus Christ. And he is in the midst of that fiery furnace with those three guys. Um, he has always been, always is, always shall be being one and equal with God the Father, Jesus appears and visits these three guys in the fiery furnace. Look at verses 26 to 30. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace, and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw, this is so good, saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads were not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any God except their own God. What is he doing? He's realizing the one 
true God is at work. And then he says this, Therefore I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Guys, this is not the best evangelistic approach here, okay? It is not, all right? And we see then, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the providence of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar is a pagan. Nebuchadnezzar does not know the living God, but he sees the evidence of the living God. And he acknowledges at the end of chapter 3 that the God of the Bible is the one true God. But hold on for a second. How many of you understand the difference between acknowledging God in the moment and surrendering to God for a lifetime? How many of us? It's so easy in our culture today to acknowledge God. You watch an Academy Award and everyone will come up and go, I just want to thank the man upstairs. I just want to thank God he is possible for this. And it is nice to just kind of have a little trend of God and acknowledge him. But how many people surrender to him for their entire life? We see King Nebuchadnezzar as the chapters go by. He took a moment to acknowledge that there's a living God. But he didn't take the moment to say, I surrender my entire life to him. Would you take a moment as you're thinking about convictions and confidence and just go to your tables? We got three questions for you tonight. And uh, excuse me for a second. Um, these are, these, you don't need a PhD for these. But this is a more of a practical aspect here. There is a high percentage that this will not happen to us. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, this is a high percentage that most of us will not have to go to a fiery furnace, okay? If you do and we see each other in eternity, I'm sorry, okay? There's a deeper truth here. There's a deeper truth. What is that deeper truth for you? Samuel Adams, not the beer, but Samuel Adams said, it does not take a majority to prevail, but rather an irate, tireless minority keen on setting brush fires of freedom in the minds of men. That's good. And then what firing furnace has God given you, uh, taken you through that has strengthened you and conveyed his faithfulness? I'm going to give you uh, about 10 minutes and then uh, come back and give you one more point tonight. So go ahead and go uh, with, your, with your groups. All right, guys, let me, uh, let me break in here for a minute. Uh, a couple things just to uh, encourage you. Next week will be Daniel 4. <laughs> oh, it's, it's just amazing. Um, also, uh, have you ever asked yourself the question when you've looked at this passage, why the officials? Why the magistrates? Why the overseers? Why them? 
Why are they being asked to bow? Because they're the leaders. And when the leaders will bow, what eventually will happen? Everyone else will. And I never, I never even thought about that until I was just back there with Andy, and I thought, yeah. So let me give you one more point tonight, uh, if I could. And that's this. God does not always prevent us from the fire, but he will preserve us through it. Uh, if, if Nebuchadnezzar had given these guys a pass, if he had said, guys, you know, you really should bow, but we're going to let this one slide. You guys go back to your dorm. You think about it. We're going to kind of keep this between us. We're not, we're not, we're not going to talk about it, but you guys really should have bowed, but I'm just going to give you a pass on it. If he had done that, we would never have seen the faithfulness of God, would have we? Because in this case, God gets national notoriety from a pagan king. These three guys displayed the convictions and confidence in the living God. God showed up in a wonderful way to preserve them through it. And there are times God will allow us to go through the fire. And just with a raise of hands, how many of you know how that feels? Sometimes he takes us through that fire simply to show us his faithfulness, that I will stay true to him whether I'm in the fire or I'm out of the fire. The greatest times of my life in seeing God's faithfulness is when I've gone through the fire. I've gone through the struggle because I've got no one else to depend upon except him. And that's where it should be at the beginning is to depend upon him and trust in him that he would give us that God confidence. Um, I want to close just so it would be a comfort to us here. You have heard these verses before. But Isaiah 43, verses 2 and 3. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Guys, I don't know what those waters look like for you, but there's an assurance he's with us. If you have acknowledged and surrendered your life to Christ, you're not alone. And when you pass through those waters, and it might be financial waters, it might be marriage waters, it might be kid waters, it might be something that is only on your radar, there's a promise here. I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. You may feel overwhelmed. How many of you have been there? Overwhelmed. I don't want to admit it, I'm a man, but man, there are times I am overwhelmed with something going on. He's there. He's there. When you walk through fire, you will not get burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. When our culture is putting more and more restrictions on us, will we be a person who is bold for the Lord or a person who is bashful about the Lord? And so here what I, here's how I want to close tonight. I need one man at each table that will raise their hand and say, I at my table will pray for our nation tonight. And I at my table will pray for our men. That we would be men that would be confident in the right way. That we would hold true to the law of God, even when the law of man seems to want to prevail.
Who will be that man at your table tonight? Just one man at the table, okay? Some of you are like, oh, I had my hand raised. I want to raise my, you know, would you take just a, a couple minutes and pray at your table? And I know once you're done, you're going to want to be loud because that's who we are. But just take a moment till everyone's done. And then 10 high, so thankful to be with you tonight. Let's do that now. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. Lord, that our lives would not just be about acknowledging you, but that we would spend our lives being surrendered to you, surrendered to your word. Lord, I am so grateful for these men. And I'm thankful, Lord, for how you are working in our lives. And Lord, we see so many things in this chapter that is so true about what's going on today. May we find our confidence in you as we grow closer to you. And may we find great confidence because we bond together with the same convictions, the same love for your word, and the same desire to want to honor you with our lives in all that we do both now and in eternity. Thank you for our time tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.